This podcast is brought to you by Pastor Matt Bolin and Faith Christian Family Church of Lubbock, Texas. For more information, please visit faithchurchlubbock.com. You know, that statement the pastor said, it's just, it's, it's resonated inside of me. It's, it's just been one of those things that I'll catch myself saying things, and I'll put that at the end of it, and that's just the way I want it. And I'm like, nope, nope, that's not just the way I want it. But it's helped me so much to walk through a process to become so much better. And I think that's what it comes back down to is because there's life and power in the tongue. And that's what we can live by. We can hurt or we can harm or we can build up and we can encourage things. It just comes down to how we say it. And so uh, tonight I want to talk to you a little bit about what it means to follow Jesus. To be, he paints incredible pictures for us with his words. The way that he describes things, the way that he puts things out there, it's so easy And I think that's one of the things that we do sometimes is that we think it's too easy sometimes to follow God, so we try to complicate it. But understand this, God kept it simple. Why did God keep it simple? So that we all can put a foot to it. We all can put a hand to it. We all can do it. But it just comes back down to applying the word of God. And so tonight we're going to read out of John chapter 14. So if you have your Bibles, go ahead and turn there. Good news is you're not going to have to go anywhere else because we're going to stay in John 14 the whole night tonight. And so if you're taking notes, the title of tonight's message will be called Jesus the Way. Jesus the Way. As you're doing that, I want to pray one more time. So if you would, bow your heads and close your eyes. Father, we, I thank you so much for the opportunity to come into your house and to worship you tonight. Father, I thank you that your word is so true and so real. And so, Father, I ask tonight that you would help me to speak this message out. Father, to bring the word to life and to each one of us, Father, that we may understand and know the purpose that you have with this word. And so, Lord, I thank you for what you're doing. I ask, Lord, that you would help me to speak this message with simplicity and with clarity. And, Father, most of all, Lord, that you would help me to deliver it to hearts that are in dire need of your word. And so, Father, give me illustrations to help drive home points. Help me to share this message from the heart. And, Lord, we thank you and we lean on you in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. So John 14 is where we're going to start. But in order to get to John 14, we need to know what's going on in John 13. That's kind of like watching a movie in the middle of, a, in the, middle of the movie. It just doesn't make sense unless you really understand what, what's going on here. Because it starts to paint a better picture. So in John 13, the title of John 13 from, in my Bible says, Jesus washes his disciples' feet. So this is the moment In the book of John, we're finding that Jesus is getting down and showing one of the greatest sacrificial leadership moments that we will ever find. He's saying it's all about serving. It's not about being glorified. It's about serving those around us. And I I will tell you this, the greatest leaders that I've ever seen have been servant-led leaders, not glory-led leaders. And that's what it comes back to. Jesus paints a picture. So he goes through, and as he washes their feet, he gets to a point where he says, guys, I need to tell you something that's coming up. I need to prepare you for the future because there's something incredible going to happen. And so he says, I'm going to go and I'm going to die. They're going to beat me. They're going to thrash me. They're going to do all these things and I will die very soon. And one of my favorite disciples, I don't know if you can really pick a favorite disciple, but one of my favorite ones because he's funny at times and he's he's very bold and sometimes I want to be a little bit more bold. But Peter jumps in and says, listen, Jesus, I don't know where you got your news, but you got it wrong. You're watching the wrong news channel because that's not going to happen. I will not let that happen. 
And that's when Jesus looked at him and he said, you will deny me three times before this will happen. And so put yourself in Peter's shoes. I always try to do this. I put myself in people's shoes and I say, okay, well, how would I feel at this point? I would feel pretty dejected, pretty, pretty rejected at this moment. Like, man, I'm just a terrible person in general. But I love what Jesus does in John 14. Let's pick it up in verse 1. It says this, John 14, 1 says, Do not let your hearts be troubled. Trust in God and also trust in me. Trust in God and also trust in me. Now, what better pickup to a person that is down and dejected to be better than that right there? You know, there's a lot of times that we deal with things in our life that, you know, we're we're just walking through a process. We're trying to figure this out. But instead, if we would just simply do what that scripture said, do not let your hearts be troubled. How many have dealt with worry in their life? How many deal with stress? How many deal with all these things? This is a scripture for you. This is a scripture for me. Do not let your hearts be troubled. Trust in God and also trust in me. Very simple. What he's saying is, hey, Relax, I got this. I got this, just relax. Think about when you were a kid traveling on a trip across the country. When you did these things, you didn't wonder if you were gonna get there. Dad said we're doing this, or mom said we're getting in the car, or grandma and grandpa said we're doing this. You got in the car and you're like, let's go. You didn't worry, hey, I think you missed the turn. You didn't know there were turns to be made. And that's what it comes back down to is, do not let your hearts be troubled. Trust in God and also trust in me. So Jesus is right here, he's picking it up. Now, one of the things I want you to understand, without trust, we can't have faith. And so in order to build your faith, you have to build your trust. It's about trusting in those who are around you. Think about this. Tomorrow, there's a bunch of, a lot of our guys, we're going to get in cars and we're going to drive down. We're going to go to the Men of Iron. And Man, I'm excited about it. I know God's going to do incredible things down there. But you know what? I'm not driving tomorrow. And you know how much worry I'm going to be putting into us getting there? Zero. I may get in the car and go to sleep. I may get in the car, just talk a bunch. I may sit in the car and not say a word. But I will tell you this, I'm not going to be worried about the driver getting me to the destination. I'm just going to sit in the back and relax. And I think that's what God wants to do with us sometimes is just relax. Enjoy this time. Be joyful. You know, I think that's one of the things that we've missed in this world a lot is that without trust, we can't have faith. Without faith, we can't have joy. And without joy, we just continue to deal with these agony, the pain, the worry, the doubt, the stress. You know, God never created us to deal with those things. We bring that on ourselves. So it's a choice that we make. But this scripture has to be something we pour ourselves into. Do not let your heart be worried. And so as we understand this, once we understand what God is trying to get across, trust in me. Let's skip down to verse 5. Because I think this pinpoints a lot of us here. Thomas said to him, Lord, we don't know where you are going, so how can we know the way? How many have ever asked the question of, God, I don't know what I'm supposed to be doing. God, I don't get why I'm doing this thing. Why am I here in Lubbock, Texas? God, why am I doing these things? God, why am I at this job right now? God, why do I have to answer to that boss? It's all the same thing. I don't know the way. I don't know why we're doing this. And so Thomas very simply asks a question. So how can we know that we're doing the right thing? How can we know the way? 
Verse 6, Jesus answered and said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. Verse 7, if you really knew me, you would know my Father as well. From now on, you do not know him and have, you, you do know him and have seen him. What he's saying is this, is that it comes back down to the idea and understanding that God was in Jesus and understand Jesus brought you into this life. Jesus gave you the purpose that you have, the desires that you have in your world. Listen, there's a lot of times that you may be dealing with people in your life and all you do is complain about them. Complain, complain, complain. Have you ever thought that God brought them into your world to help you? Have you ever thought that he brought them into your world to help them? That's what it comes back down to. There's a reason why you're where you're at right now. We can handle it one of two ways. We can handle it by faith, that I thank you, Lord. I may not love this job, but I'm going to do incredible at this job. Whether they treat me with great respect, I thank you, Father. I have the greatest encourager in my life, and that is in you, in you alone. I thank you I have all strength to stand up and do these things. I thank you the impossible may be with man, but it's possible with God. So I thank you. This situation is not the rest of my life, but if it is, I will still serve you, God, wholeheartedly. When you put that trust and faith in God, you don't sit back and wonder if God is going to do something. You become bold, knowing that you're going to do it. Pastors talked about it. For years, he worked at the water company. For years, he got treated not very well. For years, I used to work at a country club. I was spit on. I was thrown. Things were thrown at me. I had trash dumped on me one time. It, it just happens. I could sit there and complain, or I could say, God, what can I learn from this? It's a choice that we make to how we're going to handle those things. Was it right what they did? No. But that's all right. I'm not here to justify. I've got a God that takes up my battles for me. We've got to put that trust and that reliance in him. And this is what it comes back down to. When we put the trust in God, it builds our faith. Jesus simply says, follow me, trust me, and rely on me. That's it. Do those things and watch where God will take you. Yeah, but God, no. Follow me. But I don't know where we're going. Just follow me. Trust me. But I don't... Rely on me. I'll get you where you need to go. Trust me in these areas. As we continue to go through this, I can remember years ago, God bringing back an illustration in my life. And as I was preparing for this, he brought me back to the moment where we walked through this. When I was, uh, a few years ago, my daughter was very, she was two years old, three years old, somewhere in there. She was still kind of in that awkward stage of walking. And at our house, we, we have stairs, and I can remember that when, when we were growing up and she would go up and down the stairs, you know, you'd have the baby gate there so they couldn't go down. But when she got to walking, she was able to do some things. And I remember she'd be able to walk downstairs and it'd take her like three or four minutes just to get downstairs because she's taken steps like this, just hoping to get to that point. And I remember she used to stand at the top of the stairs and she'd put her hand out and say, Daddy, come here. Daddy, come here. And I'd go over there and I'd grab her hands. And you know how she would take a step once I had her hand? And she'd just run and she'd just jump right off of the thing. She was ready to go. She was as bold as anything. She didn't hold on to the rail. She was down the stairs. Dad, let's go. Because she knew that as long as I had her hand, there's no chance she's going to fall. There's no chance she's going to trip. There's no chance she's going to miss those things. She became as bold as a lion at that point. 
But you know, I think a lot of times we kind of treat God like, okay, God, I'm not sure about this. I'm going to take this one little step and let's see. Oh, good. I made it. I made it. Instead of, God, I'm just going. I'm jumping two feet in. I'm doing whatever I can. Remember in the Bible where it talked about Jesus walking on water? You know how many guys had an opportunity to walk on water that day? At least probably 12 of them. How many did? One. Not that those other guys didn't have faith, but there's a difference when you take that step and get in, trusting God and relying on what God does. All of a sudden, that boldness comes up. Trust always leads to a boldness. Listen, if somebody gives you a title at your job, you don't sit there and worry about if others know who you are. You have that title, which means that you're in that position that they have to listen to you at those points. A police officer walks in here fully dressed out and he says, get down because of this. I'm getting down because he's got the boldness and the authority by the badge that he has. God has given you that same boldness and authority when we build that trust. You got to know who you are in Christ. When you know who you are in Christ, you become bold, you become trusting. And this is what Jesus is getting across, is that when we understand who we are, there is nothing, there's nothing in this life that can overtake who you are and who God created you to be. I am the way, the truth, and the life. I am the way, step one, the truth, step two, and the life, step three. To experience life and life to the fullest, it doesn't happen by chance. It happens by a boldness that says, God, I trust you. I trust that this is what you created me to do. When you understand that, it changes everything. It changes the way you see things. It changes the way you see yourself. It changes the way you handle things. But it's about a choice that we make. When you look in the mirror, who do you see? The broken down, all the mistakes, all the issues? Or do you look in that mirror, just as my daughter, when she jumped down those stairs with a boldness and say, I thank you, I am a son or daughter of God, that I am forgiven, that I am redeemed, and that I am blessed. And I thank you, Father, I am following the way, the truth, and the life. And I thank you, Father, when I do that, I experience life to the fullest. And I thank you, life to the fullest means that I have Jeremiah 29, 11, the great and mighty plans ahead of me. I thank you, Ephesians 3, 20, that says that I have beyond, you have dreams beyond my wildest dreams still ahead for me. You've got to jump in by faith with trust. It's a choice that we make. Skip down here for time's sake. Let's go to verse 12, and it says this. So there's another question that's asked and said, Lord, how can we know that you're going to be enough? Verse 12, so he starts to explain. Verse 12 says this, I tell you the truth. Anyone who has faith in me will do what I have been doing. He will even do greater than these because I am going to the Father. Now, that statement right there has always messed with me because I'm sitting here thinking, this is the Son of God. And he's telling me I'm going to go to places he's never even been. And I'm like, God's everywhere. But when you think about that, when Jesus steps up and does something inside of you, it changes it all. When you go back in the Old Testament, you read about prophets. Those prophets would put a double portion on the next person, and they would double what was going on. That still happens today. God is going to take you to places you never thought you could go, and you're going to go to places Jesus never reached till now. And that's what it comes back down to is a choice that we need to make is that God has something incredible. Keep reading right here, verse 13. And, and I will do whatever you ask in my name so that the Son may be, bring glory to the Father. 
Verse 14, I mean, that's an incredible statement right there. Verse 14, you may ask me for anything in my name, and I will do it. There's no ifs, ands, or buts about it. I will do it. I will do it. Trust in me and rely on me. Do these things, trust it, and whatever you ask in my name, I will do it. I will do it. There's no question. When's he going to do it? That's on his timetable. But he said he will do it. We believe it and we trust it. Verse 15, this, the t- title of this was Jesus Promises the Holy Spirit. Verse 15, if you love me, you will obey what I command. And I will ask the Father, and he will give you another counselor to be with you. The spirit of truth forever. The spirit of truth. The world cannot accept him because it neither sees him nor knows him. But you know him for he lives within you and be in you. Verse 18, I will not leave you as orphans. I will come to you. Now there's so much good stuff in there. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to talk about this for a minute and then we're going to continue on. I want to talk about out of the amplified version because it, it changes the way that these verses are said. John 14, 12 says this, I assure you, most solemnly, I tell you, if anyone steadfastly believes in me, he will himself be able to do things that I do, and he will do even greater than these because I go to the Father. Listen, the key part in there, that steadfast faith. That means you, there, there's no wavering if, ands, what's, what might, I'm not sure. It is, this is what the word of God says. I'm just gonna do it. It's kind of like tithing. The word of God says that if you'll give 10%, he said that he'd open up the, the floodgates of heaven and pour it down on you that you couldn't even handle what he's gonna give to you. But do we have enough steadfast, steadfast faith to trust him for those? 10% across the board. And that's what it comes back down to. We've gotta have that same understanding. Verse 15 says this, if you really, if you really love me, you will keep and obey my commands. Do you know one of the ways that you show God that you love him? It's simply by applying the word of God to your everyday life. That's what it does. Think about this. Very simple. If my kids want to show me how much they love me, they'll obey what I ask them to do. If you want to show your parents how much you love them, they ask you to do something, go do it. It's very simple. Those ways are so easy for us to understand, but are we doing the same thing with God? How much are you able to show God in action how much you love him? It's a choice that we make. By faith, we move and we make these decisions. When I learn steadfast faith, it moves us into the realm that Jesus didn't even get to experience. Because he said, we'll do greater things. Great, what does that mean? I don't know, because I haven't made it there yet. There's still more we've got to do. But I know God's not done with us. I know he still has a bunch that he wants to do here. And that's what it comes back down to. Now, John 14, verses 16 through 17, out of the Amplified Version. And I will ask the Father, and he will give you another comforter. Listen to how this comforter is explained. Counselor, helper, intercessor, advocate, strengthener, and standby. Listen, now there, there, there are times that every one of us need those people. How many times have you needed a counselor in your life? A lot of times, first thing we do is instead of get to our knees and pick up the phone to God, we pick up the phone and call our best friend so that we can complain, we can vent about these things. And I'm not saying venting's a bad thing. Sometimes we have to do that. But I will tell you this, are you venting to God ever? 
telling him about what's going on because it says that the counselor is there to help. Then he goes on and he says he's a helper. Do you know how many times I've cried out to God and said, God, I cannot do this. Can you help me? Help me in this area. And I'll tell you what, every single time, it's just happened. It's happened. Because God will help me somehow. I remember first time I ever put this into action, I was working at uh, the country club and I used to have to change the holes where the golf, where, the, where they put the pin. And I remember I used to use this machine where you'd have to punch it down in the ground and then you'd take the, it, it's like a suction thing and it would suck the piece back up. And then I'd take the hole and I'd replace it. Well, a lot of times that suction part didn't work. And it's pretty frustrating when you've got golfers hitting golf balls at you and you're trying to dodge those and get this thing out of the ground because you've got this machine sitting on the green. And I remember there used to be so many times I'd be sitting there and I'd try to hurry and I'd do it fast and try to get done as quickly as I can and it wouldn't come out and I'd get frustrated. And I'd get frustrated and I'd be like, come on, I'd kick the thing, I'd push it, I'd do all this stuff, I would get caught up in the emotions and then I would take a moment and say, God, I need your help. I need your help at this moment. And I would all of a sudden, oomp, a little piece would come out, I'd go change it real quick and I'd take off and I'd say, thank you, Lord. I'm so sorry that it took me so long to ask for help. But that's what it comes back down to. He is the helper. He's the intercessor. How many times have we needed intercessoring in our lives? Not only our lives, but those who are around us. He allows to speak things through you that you cannot even imagine what is gonna happen because God sees things in the future that are speaking through you right now. He's the advocate, the strengthener, and the standby. Listen, we all need somebody to stand by, to be there for us, just to be there to know that somebody's gonna be there. Now, we know that we have this person that he may remain with you forever, the spirit of truth. Now, that's the key word right there, the spirit of truth. Whom the world cannot receive, welcome, take to heart, because it does not see him nor recognize him. But you know him and recognize him, for he lives within you constantly and will be with you. John 14, 16, and 17. Now, I want you to understand this, because what God is trying to get across here is that we need to understand how important the Holy Spirit is in our lives that we can't function very well without the gift of the Holy Spirit. It builds our faith. It strengthens us. It helps us to become intercessors. It builds up the desires in our lives. The Holy Spirit and the importance of the Holy Spirit changes forever. Because I want you to understand this. In verse six, Jesus teaches us that he is the way, the truth, and the life. The only way to have life, like it says in John 10, 10, John 10, 10 says, the thief comes to kill, steal, and destroy, but I have come to give you life and life to the fullest. Life to the fullest always makes me think of a buffet. When you go to a good buffet place or when you go eat at, one of my favorite places to eat when we go to Dallas is the Cheesecake Factory. Man, I'm telling you, when you go to Cheesecake Factory, they get, I don't know where they get these plates from. It's like they break plates and put them in half. You know, they're like, they're like gonna, they're huge. They're bigger than a football. And you get this thing delivered to your plate and it's covered up two people and you sit there and you start eating. And I'm telling you what, you eat and you eat and you eat and then you eat a little bit more and you look down, there's still more on the table and you finally finish it. And then this is where they get you. Then you see those cheesecake things and they are, you know, about that tall, and about that wide. And if you love cheesecake, you're there. For me, they serve this thing called strawberry shortcake. Oh my gosh. I don't know what manna tastes like, but I'm assuming that's part of it. It's got a little touch of God in there. It's unbelievable. It is so good. My son, we went down there a couple of months ago, and 
he ate that. I'm telling you what, he was licking the bowl. He was doing all this stuff. It was funny to watch him. And I was like, come on, man, you can't do that. You can't do those things. Poppy kept encouraging him, so, you know, it kept on there. And so we, we did those things. But, you know, one of the things I want you to understand is that that's what the fullness of life is. Fullness of life is not sitting there wondering if you're going to get another meal, wondering how your day's going to go. Fullness of life is bringing joy and laughter and fun, excitement. All those things come from God. Read the fruit of the Spirit and see what God has for your life. There is so much more out there that we get caught up in the moments and the emotions instead of saying, God, oh yeah, John 14, 1 says that you're God. All I've got to do is trust you that you've got things under control. I'm sorry, God. Here, here's what I'm dealing with. And you hand it to them. It's like a little kid who makes a mess. They hand it to the parents. You think the kid's worried about getting cleaned up? Nope, they're off to make another mess. It's kind of what we do. We hand it to God and God clean me up. And that's what it comes back down to. But understand the importance of the Holy Spirit. 2 Corinthians 3.17 says that the spirit, where the spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. If you're missing something in your life because whatever reason, have you ever thought that maybe it's because there's a lack of freedom in your world? There's bondage, there's something else. You know what? That doesn't mean you're gonna be free today. That, you may deal with that thing tomorrow, but you keep speaking where the spirit of the Lord is, there's freedom. I thank you, I've got the spirit of the Lord inside of me and I've got freedom coming, freedom is coming, freedom coming, freedom reigns here, freedom reigns in my life and you get excited about those things. I will tell you what, when you're free, it changes the way you live life. Changes the way you live. Ask pastor. Ask pastor about what his life is like now being free of alcohol. That bondage is gone. Talk about what it's free when, whenever you talk to someone who has smoked for years. Bob Worth, Jane Worth, they quit smoking years ago, and I'm telling you what, freedom is coming to their life because of it. Where the Spirit of the Lord is, there's freedom. Man, you don't have to worry about those things. That craving, Gone. God brings in freedom into our worlds when we have the Spirit of the Lord. John 6.63 says this, the Spirit gives life. And then John 14.17 says the Spirit gives truth. Those three simple things, truth, life, and freedom. I'm telling you what, you put those things into your world, your life becomes different. And it becomes radical, it becomes exciting, and it becomes full of the goodness of God. That's what it comes back down to. The Holy Spirit is a choice that we allow to come into our world. And then ultimately, once the Holy Spirit comes in, we get to verse 18. John 14, 18 says this, I will not leave you as orphans. Now you sit back and say, I'm not an orphan. How many of you are a first generation Christian in here? Put your hand up in the air. First generation Christian, I see those. There's quite a few hands that went up all over this place. First generation, you know what? You're an orphan. Every one of us are orphans in all reality because you may have somebody that, you know, kind of served God into those things, but you're at a place that they've never been before. You've got to be taught how to get to those things. I will not leave you as an orphan, comfortless, desolate, bereaved, forlorn, and hopeless, and helpless. I will come back to you. John 14, 18 says that God is going to come back and teach us. Teach us incredible things. You know, I think about some of the things that my dad taught me. He taught me how to build things. He taught me how to play sports. He taught me how to do some things in my life. And if he hadn't been there, I don't know who would have taught me. 
So I'm thankful that he was there to teach me. But you know what? I didn't have a lot of people to teach me the word of God and faith like we've been blessed to hear over the last few weeks. Faith that will forever change the way that you live your life. Faith that will forever be the one that says, I don't want it like that anymore. I thank you. I'm blessed. And that's just the way I want it. I'm not cursed. I'm blessed. We continue to speak the word of God and it changes everything. As we begin to close and we understand this, I want to close with these thoughts right here. John 14 verse 23 says this, if anyone loves me, he will obey my teaching. My father will love him and he will come to him and make our home with him. Obey the teaching. And he says, I'll make my home in you. I won't be far, I'll be right there inside of you. He who does not love me will not obey my teaching. These words you hear are not from my own, they belong to the Father who sent me. All this I have spoken while still with you, but the counselor, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, will teach you all things and remind you of everything I have said. Verse 27, and this is the key I want you to understand with, peace I leave with you, my peace I give you, I do not give to you as the world gives. Do not let your hearts be troubled and do not be afraid. I give you peace. Now, as I was praying for this and continually seeking God during this time, there's a lot of people in here that are dealing with a lot of things in life. When I say things, that encompasses so much. That may be coworkers, that may be family members, that may be bills. That may be finances, all of those things. There's not peace in your life right now. But God doesn't want to leave it that way. God wants to change it. Thank you for listening today. For more information, please visit faithchurchlubbock.com.